It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, March the 1st, 2020, and we're back live in beautiful Austin, Texas. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this show, is here to make it run smoothly as usual And we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Houston, Texas, by educator, coach, speaker, advocate for mental health awareness, and author, Dr. Sheila D. Williams, to discuss her new book, My Mother's Keeper. And this book is a memoir about her life, her mother's struggle with illness and mental illness, and how the misdiagnoses and lack of treatment negatively affected her family. And she's working to increase awareness along with hope and healing. So um, I'm looking forward to speaking with her about this really um, very touching book. And then later in the program, our producer, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, will be filling us in with a bit more about the shows that he's producing during the South by Southwest Music Festival right here in Austin, Texas in March. And along the way, I'll be discussing shining your light into the world with your gifts and your passion and how your passion actually brings light to the world. We will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address, is Dr. Mara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast along with any website links or any other important information that was discussed on the program will be posted later tonight. And that's at drmaracarpel.com. And you can also hear all of the previous programs that we've done um, right here on Blog Talk Radio since 2014. If you go to my website, you can also read my blog and find out about my book and find out information about South by Southwest. You can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes from the end of the show by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And we're now on Apple's podcast. And so so about five minutes after this show ends, it will also be on my page on Apple Podcasts, along with all of the previous programs that we've done here on Blog Talk Radio since 2014. And to get the link to the Apple Podcast, 
page, um, you can go to my website page and just click on Apple Podcasts there. And for information about upcoming shows, to find out about upcoming events, to read blogs when they first come out, as soon as they're printed, uh, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, and that will keep you up to date for all upcoming and future events. If this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas, and I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers, and for the past few years have also been evaluating veterans for PTSD. Now, if you want to contact me, if you have some information that you think I should know about or a question that you want to ask me, please feel free to send me an email. My email address is drmara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. Or you can go to my website and just click on contact. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512 261 7909 or send them an email to rdebeer that's r-d-e-b-e-r-e at austin.rr.com and his book is also available on Amazon and this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come Have Storyhouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. Um, but it won't be very, it will be very brief. So don't go anywhere because right after we come back from the break, we'll be joined on the phone from Houston by educator, coach, speaker, advocate for mental health awareness, and author, Dr. Sheila D. Williams, to discuss her new book, My Mother's Keeper. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9248. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. 
All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell in your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Houston, Texas, we have educator, coach, speaker, advocate for mental health awareness, and author, Dr. Sheila Williams. And she's here to discuss her new book, My Mother's Keeper, and her advocacy for mental health awareness. Welcome, Sheila. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. And just to, just as a um, to a little reminder, it's, there's a slight delay when we talk like this, so it's good to keep that in mind. So, okay, so Sheila, I I read your book, and I was I just wanted to let you know that I was really moved by it. Um, it was such a lovely tribute to your mom and a real testament to that, that bond of love between mother and daughter. And I related so much to it in, in terms of that bond and that willingness to do whatever you need to do for your mom. So it was really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that. I, I wanted to pay tribute to my mother because she – she ultimately didn't feel that she felt, you know, that she fit in anywhere. Uh, she didn't feel that she was beautiful. She didn't feel that as if she mattered. And I definitely believe that her mental illness played a big role, was a big factor in her self-esteem and the fact that she just never felt like she fit in. She didn't matter. So I mm-hmm. wanted to pay tribute by writing this memoir and bring awareness to mental illness and how it can affect not only the individual, but the entire family unit. So I appreciate you reading it, and uh, I'm yeah. glad that you got out of it what I was hoping that the reader gets out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, before we, we talk a little bit more about the book, um, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Oh, most certainly. Um, well, I have a two parts uh, to my career. Um As you mentioned before, it's about 25, 25, almost 30 years of experience in both the mental health and counseling field as well as the education field. So I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. My master's degree is in mental health counseling. And then my Ph.D. is in education and leadership. I am an internationally certified speaker through the John Maxwell team. Um, So I do speaking, coaching, and training. And the biggest thing that I am doing is hopefully uh, ending a stigma that is around mental illness. As a mental health advocate, I want to spread awareness about the importance of our mental health and just really get people um, on board with making sure that they take care of their mental health and and be aware of those signs and symptoms and not only themselves, but their loved ones and, and those that they care about as well. And I hope that once we remove the stigma that's associated with mental mental illness, we can look at mental health as a part of our overall health, and then hopefully people will realize that it's just as important as getting a physical checkup um, or any other kind of checkup that we do with our physical well-being as it is for our mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, very good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the book and and that journey that you went through that got you to this point. 
Yes, for sure. I, you know, as I stated before, uh, you know, I was very fortunate and very, um, you know, it's very thankful for all of my um, education and career aspirations and all of the accolades and the success that I had um, and have had for both the education part of my career as well as the professional part. Uh, so I would often have clients or patients that were suffering from uh, one form or another uh, mental illness or, you know, maybe it was just a crisis that they were currently going through and, you know, doing counseling with them or therapy, and they would often say, well, you don't understand. And, of course, you know, not disclosing because you're in that professional environment, not disclosing that my mother suffers from a mental illness, I often think, well, I do kind of understand because I've sat on both sides, uh, you know, on both sides of that table, on both sides of the couch. So having heard that for so many years and having seen so many of my clients and patients who were suffering from one thing or another and feeling that they were the only ones and that they were isolated in, in the experiences that they had, they were repeating so many things that my mother had said, and it was you know, like this repeated theme from client to client, patient to patient, this big stigma around everything and, you know, pertaining to mental illness. And so I I realized that uh, it it was a repeated uh, statement in one form or fashion because it's so common. There are so many people who are embarrassed, ashamed, or afraid to get help because they are embarrassed about what their family or friends will think of them. And it was the same case as with my mother. So mm-hmm. she never talked about it. We never talked about it. We didn't know anyone else outside of my mom who had a mental illness. The part that was, uh, you know, obviously very challenging for me was uh, I was the youngest of uh, three children that my parents had. And by the time I came along, she was very, very deep in her depression. But, again, we didn't know what it was. We just knew that something wasn't right. Uh, she was not diagnosed until I was about 24, 25 years old. So at that point, I was an adult. Mm-hmm. Child coming through all of that and growing up, she was not always adequately able to care for me because of her depression and the symptoms and everything that she was going through. But again, we did not know what it was. And even after it was diagnosed, we never talked about it. So mm-hmm. it finally got to the point where I know that God wanted me to write this book. He wanted me to be transparent, but I couldn't do that because it was not just my story. It's my mother's story as well. And so I needed to get the okay from her to be able to talk about it, to, to you know, write this memoir, to give a voice and a face to what depression could possibly look like. And so right before she passed away in 2012, she gave me the okay to write the book. And so finally, after getting the okay, I knew then I have to carry this out, and that's why I went ahead and wrote my mother's keeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm told that we have a question already from a listener. So oh. I'm going to have – are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Okay. Do you have a question? Yeah. Uh, I just kind of want to chime in with – with what uh, the speaker was saying. Um, So taking responsibility is a big part of our lives, is taking responsibility for our actions. And like you were saying, honesty 
is a way that we get to take responsibility for our actions. And when we take responsibility for our actions, we can be accountable for our feelings. And people that are mentally ill, they put their feelings above everything. And somebody that understands mental illness can show that person that what's more important at the moment is what's going on. And that, yes, your feelings are important and we can address that later. And with that said, the person who has the mental illness would be able to put themselves in a position to where they can be reflecting what you're projecting and allow that person temporarily to, to understand that, yes, okay, this person is a, a person who is in control and I need to listen to. So, mm-hmm. but not many people will listen to someone because people try to put themselves in that position of control when they don't buy with the credentials. Okay, that, I'm that gonna put you. Okay, I'm gonna put you on hold for a moment so that um, Sheila can can address that. Okay. Oh, I got to say that again. No, I'm gonna put you on hold for a moment so Sheila can address your answer. Okay. 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 But, great. Great. Okay, so Sheila, do you have any response to that? Well, I think what he's saying is, uh, I was trying to follow him. I think what he's saying is, uh, you know, just being of listening when you're dealing with someone who potentially or does have a mental illness and not necessarily trying to be the expert. I think that it's important to, first of all, just let the people know that you care. You're there. You care. You're non-judgmental. I often find that people are often judgmental, and once you, you know, throw up that judge that judgment, you know, the individual is, you know, not necessarily going to feel comfortable talking about their feelings and their emotions and what's possibly not going right in their lives. So, in order to get to that healing point, ultimately, we need to, you know, just be a listening ear, not necessarily to try to even put a diagnosis on anything. Just listen and be a shoulder and be a listening ear for that individual so they feel comfortable. And I think that once people feel comfortable, they will then then disclose whatever it is that they're going through, whatever they need, whatever they're um, having a difficult time with. It may not even be that they actually have a mental illness. It may just be that they need support at that very moment because they're going through life's challenges. So I think um, I think I kind of understood what he was asking, and I would okay. agree that, you know, sometimes we have to take that expert hat off and just be a listening ear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. if What do you think, Craig? Does that, did that answer your question? No. Well, I mean, she has a lot of good points that she was talking about is in response to what I was saying. Um, it, it really is a very delicate situation because of the fact that we're dealing with a person's insecurity. Now, whether this person has a mental illness or not, there is still an insecurity there. And insecurity can come from over Oh, being overly confident, you could be insecure, or 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 the other way. Um, mm-hmm. But every everybody's insecure to a certain degree because of the fact that people have an ego issue, 
And the ego issue stems from a false sense of self. They don't really know who they are. They present themselves to be this way, but a peacemaker comes in contact with the peacekeeper, someone who says, oh, there's no problem here, everything's fine, when in fact it's not true. A peacemaker will draw these things out of that person and make peace with them so they can be successful because a person who has, um, let's say, the ability to regulate their own central nervous system has that ability, whether they choose to believe or not, they have the ability to entrain other people to follow the same thing that they're doing. And okay. what I mean by All that, right. what I mean, hello? I'm here. I just, I just want to get back to Sheila and see what she has to say about that. Okay. Okay. Check. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. okay thank you. Okay. All right. Any, any thoughts about that, Sheila? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you, we can go on about it over and over and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> until the end of time, but I think it boils down to each individual and whatever it is that mm-hmm. they're particularly going through, we can hypothetically throw, you know, so many different scenarios out there. Sure. But it boils sure. down to whether or not uh, you have a degree or experience or you have five degrees or you have no experience. I think that from my experience what has happened is what I believe is, um, you know, we need to let go of the judgment, have a listening ear, and allow Mm -hmm. the individual, whether or not they have a mental illness or not, to freely and comfortably be able to express themselves and, you know, verbally or sometimes it's non-verbally, allow us to see and experience whatever it is that they're going through. And then we offer the opportunity to, you know, provide them resources or assistance or even refer them to someone or an agency that can help them if we're not able to do that ourselves. But um, right. I would agree with it's on an individual basis. We can't, uh, you know, give a cookie-cutter remedy for every single situation or every single individual because we're all different, and all of our experiences are different. So right. we have to look at each individual and their circumstances and situation on an individual basis. So, yes, I would agree with that. Mhm, mhm, and i I would agree when he said about personal responsibility because I think that you know you're when you're working with a therapist and a client, you're a team right mm-hmm. so so the the client also has the responsibility in that teamwork effort, right so definitely uh, I, definitely I, yeah, yeah, so. So let me ask you, what what are you doing these days? I know you're really busy with um, your advocacy work, and um, and I'd really like to hear about that. Yes, right now um, I'm new to Houston, as you as you mentioned. I've only been here about eight months, and now that I am in Houston, I am connecting with the community to continue the advocacy. Um, I was just recently on Fox 26 speaking about the need for uh, mental health awareness here in the community in Houston on the Isaiah Factor, and I did um, several other interviews um, throughout the city. I'll continue with the 
book signings as well, and partnering with NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, to offer peer-to-peer groups and other volunteer opportunities here in the Houston area. So every opportunity that I, I get, I have several things that are coming up, again, to continue the book tour, but not just about the book, which is my mother's keeper, as I stated before. The overall, everything that I do boils down to working with the community, providing that awareness about mental health and how important it is to, you know, make sure that our mental health is at the top. So when we go get our blood pressure checked or we go get a physical exam every year, we have to get those wellness checks, those mental health wellness checks as well. And if you find Mm -hmm. in your community that you don't have those resources, we got to make sure that we we advocate to get those resources in our communities, regardless of where we live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, a, what would a, a mental health wellness check look like for somebody who is not familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Well, oftentimes your primary care physician is asking questions and you may not even be aware of it. I know now uh, in most emergency rooms and hospitals, they they ask certain questions, and it's on a mental and or emotional psychological standpoint where they may say, uh, do you feel safe at home? Um, they may, be, may even be as specific to ask you questions, have you had thoughts of suicide or hurting yourself? Um, they may ask you, um, have there been any change in your social uh, behavior, or have you had any difficulty carrying out your daily responsibilities um, or your work? Has there been any changes in your uh, relationships at work or your personal relationships? Those are emotional, behavioral, and or psychological questions that we ask, uh, and depending on how you answer those questions, they may, you know, refer you to a mental health professional mm-hmm. or they may, you know, prescribe certain uh, medication for you. So, that's what I mean, a wellness check, those uh-huh. social, emotional uh-huh. types of questions that will lead to the next step if need be. Right, right, very important. Sheila, we have another question. Um, oh, great. Another caller with a question. So let's see. James, um, are you there? Yes, I am. You have a question for Dr. Williams? Yes, I had a question for Dr. Wood. I, I guess I'm hearing more and more about uh, mental health nowadays, celebrities and just famous people and people in general. We just I never recall really hearing a lot about mental health as I was growing up. So is it just becoming more evident now? Or are we just talking about it more? Or we just do we just have a name for it now because we just didn't hear about it? I mean, we we all had those relatives. We thought there was something wrong with them, sort of, but we didn't call it mental health. We, I guess we didn't know what to call it. So I'm just curious as to what the doctor thinks is what's the difference nowadays as opposed to when we were growing up. Okay. All right. I'm going to put you on hold so she can answer that. Okay, Sheila. What do you think? Yes, yes. Uh, thank you for the questions. I love it. Um, I, I personally have that experience as well. When I was younger, as I stated, uh, with, with my own mother and our, our family, we didn't know any mental health professionals. We didn't know a psychologist, um, a psychiatrist. We didn't know a therapist. We didn't know anyone with a mental uh, illness or at least, you know, they never told us. We, we didn't know anything about it. Um, but I, I feel that uh, to answer his question, 
I feel that it has become um, so relevant that we are forced now to have these conversations because, unfortunately, we do know that our suicide rates have uh, increased, unfortunately. We do know Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we we rarely ever heard of of a child 10 and 12 years old committing suicide. We did not hear that. Uh, it was extremely rare to hear of, um, you know, children committing suicide. But these are realities now, and this is a reality that uh, it's to the point where we can no longer ignore it. We have to deal with it. So I'm I'm very happy for uh, platforms such as yours to be able to talk about it and have open discussions. But I, I do believe that there's so much more uh, that needs to be done. So to answer um, the gentleman's question, Yes, we are talking about it uh, much more now because we have the massive shootings. We have uh, children committing Mm -hmm. suicide. We have, you know, so many celebrities that are dealing with uh, different diagnoses. Uh, You know, it's not just the uncle or the cousin or the neighbor next door. Now you see it so prevalently uh, from, from children to senior citizens and everybody in between. Mental illness does not discriminate. We know that one in five Every one, there's one in every five individuals that will here in America experience a mental illness at some point in our lives. So we have to know that uh, it is very important. It does not discriminate. It doesn't care how much money you have. It doesn't care what race or ethnicity you are, sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, I, I firmly believe that now that we're having the conversations, we need to have them much more. Um, on every platform there is, and not only the conversations, we also have to uh, employ and insist that those services that we need in our communities are available. And if that means we need to change legislature and, uh, you know, advocate for more funding from state and federal uh, agencies, then we have to do that. We have to, you know, change and lobby um, for different laws. Um, if that mm-hmm. needs to be, then we need to do that. But I appreciate the question um, for sure. But we are talking about it now, ultimately, because we have no other choice. I'm wondering, and on a, a on a positive note, if if it's also a good thing that we're talking about it more. That maybe it was always hidden, and now it's finally coming out to light. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely believe that it's a positive that we are discussing Mm -hmm. it. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we can talk about it. Again, we can talk about it forever. But until we, you know, change, we we make changes that are needed. Um, You know, just having a conversation is great because I believe that through conversation, you make those individuals who are not um, aware of certain things, you are able to um, educate them and inform them. However, once we become educated and informed and we realize that, okay, now that we are educated and informed about what mental health is and the importance thereof, how do we actually make a change? How do we, uh, you know, get more people to to get those mental health and those wellness checks? How do we get people to actually go to therapy and continue therapy and continue treatment? How do how do we reduce the suicide rates amongst teenagers and even senior mm-hmm. citizens? How, how do we do that? Um, so from the conversations, then the next step would be to employ change. Absolutely. And now we have another question. 
Okay. <laughs> Another caller. Okay, great. All right. So, John, are you there? Hey, how you doing? All right. Do you have a question the, for Dr. Williams? Yes. The question I got is, uh, talk about the difference between mental illness and mental health. Uh, and, and, and the reason I ask that question is, you know, there are, there's always been people that have been mentally ill that's been walking around amongst us. Now people are really understanding that there's a way to help those folks, but also a way to, uh, to educate the rest of us that we all have some mental health kinds of needs and issues that we all have mm. to uh, sometimes talk out or sometimes just get therapy. You know, t- talk about that. And then also talk about the funding, because just like you just said, you could talk all day about it. But where's the funding? Uh, and, and, right. then, uh, and then make sure that uh, that funding goes to the folks that have been in this fight uh, and that know right. the best way to, uh, to attack it. Good questions. All right. So, Thank you. Sheila, what do you think? <laughs> oh, did I, did I cut you off, John? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for this because this is very important, and I really appreciate you uh, uh, blogging this. Well, thank you for the questions, and thanks for listening. All right. Sheila, what do you think? The first one, mental yeah. health versus mental illness, and the second one is funding. Yes, for sure. Uh, so the difference between, I, I love it, the difference between mental health and mental illness is you are correct. We all have mental health. Uh, just as we have physical health, we all have, uh, you know, it's important. We all, mental, you know, is, is a part of our, our, our overall health. Uh, so mm-hmm. you are absolutely correct. As I stated before, when we go get a uh, physical exam, uh, you know, an annual exam with our doctor, we should also have a mental health exam, a wellness check as well. And that's that social, uh, emotional, uh, even behavioral and psychological uh, things that can come, come into play. So mental health is something that we all deal with. And when we look at mm-hmm. our mental health, as I stated before, it's not necessarily that you you know maybe there's something that uh, you you're going through that's challenging right now. It could be a financial situation. It could be uh, something career related. Professionally, you're going through some changes on your job. Maybe you just experienced a layoff or you just went through a divorce. That does not necessarily mean you know because you're dealing with that and you're you're a little bit stressed and you're having a difficult time managing or transitioning at a certain point in your life because of these life stressors. It does not necessarily mean that you have a mental illness. It just means right. that you're going through something, uh, you know, related to whatever that situation or circumstance is. So maybe you do need to see, and it will be helpful for you to see someone to just sit down and just talk it all out, you know, kind of talk about mm-hmm. the options that are available to you. Uh, you know, how can you deal with the stress and manage, you know, now that this life event has happened, how can you manage it uh, healthy? without uh, being, you know, overly stressed and not able to function from day to day. That is just employing a mental health professional mm-hmm. to help you through that life challenge. When we talk right. about that would be illness, That would be sim- – yeah, so I'm sorry. I was just going to interrupt no, no, and no, say that would, be, yeah. that would be similar 
as talking to your doctor about how to stay health, physically healthy and medically healthy, right? That we want to, the doctor says, hey, your, your, you know, your blood pressure is a little high. You might want to cut out the salt or you might want to do more exercise. So it might be the same thing and you're feeling really stressed out and speaking to a mental health professional to help you deal with stress that you're going through, Right. Exactly, exactly. I'm so glad you made that point because we want to address, okay, I see that your blood pressure is a little bit elevated. You've never had hypertension. You have not been diagnosed with hypertension, but let's change your diet. Let's lay off the salt intake, maybe lose a few pounds so that you don't develop hypertension. So Mm -hmm. exactly, that is a really good point. So let's, you know, let's deal with the stressors. Let's deal with this change of of, um, employment. Let's deal with the divorce or the financial difficulties. Let's deal with it all in a healthy way before it becomes uh, that you're dealing with anxiety or before you become clinically depressed, you know. So maybe perhaps we can can work on those things before it gets to that point. When we say mental illness, that means that, it has gotten to that point where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, now that you have been diagnosed with an actual mental illness, you know, clinical depression or uh, PTSD or whatever that mental illness is, you have at that point uh, been clinically diagnosed by a professional, not, you know, not just by, you know, someone saying, okay, you're you know, you're depressed. Um, I don't like when people often throw out uh, terminology that mm-hmm. is an actual diagnosis. We should we should be very cautious and not do that. Uh, just as you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, you got cancer, or, yeah, you have hypertension. Right. We, you know what I mean? We don't do that. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, we do, oh, you're depressed, or you're OCD. We should not do that, because those are clinical diagnoses, and if you not you have not been officially diagnosed by a healthcare professional, then we should not throw out that terminology, whether it's related to ourselves or re- relating it, you know, referring it to someone else. So that w- that mm-hmm. would be the difference um, in those two, John. Um, and then this question about uh, funding. Uh, we do know right. that there are, you know, certain areas, certain states, certain communities, certain cities and counties that have more uh, funding uh, in their communities and their resources made more available in certain communities than in others. I can't specifically mm-hmm. say which areas have more or not, but we do know for a fact that there are underprivileged and underserved areas. And if that is the case for your particular community, your your county, your city, and or your state, then you and your elected officials um, hopefully we'll see those disparities, and as a community, you work together to make change in your community. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the squeaky, the ski oil, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. Right. If you don't speak up and you don't complain and you don't lobby and you don't, you know, petition for these changes in your community, okay, uh, the perception is, okay, you're all right with it. So 
ripple right. over <laughs> here to the next community who is speaking up and they're lobbying and they're signing petitions and they're marching on the Capitol to say we need resources. And those are the communities that get the funding, and those are the community that have the communities that have more resources. So if you're in one of those communities, then you want to get together and you know find out what those disparities are, and you want to demand change. Very good point. You know, as I when we spoke before this show, I mentioned to you that I used to have a practice in South Texas in Harlingen, and that mm-hmm. is an extreme extremely underserved community, um, very high need, very, very few professionals that take um, Medicare and Medicaid, which was really the big one mm-hmm. down there is Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and very, uh, you know, very few resources um, for people who really didn't have the money to pay um, or didn't have insurance. Uh, you know, very few free or, 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 you know, funded mental health professional resources down there. Um, and I was, sort, you know, I was in a practice, private practice, sort of at a loss because I, I you know, it affects the practitioners as well as the, the many people that wanted to come to see me as a Medicaid provider. Um, mm. And then when I left, there I felt really guilty people still call me Uh asking if I could please see them and I don't have an office there anymore and I don't even know who to refer them to because they're just they're not that many people down there Uh so it's a good point and I'm I'm sort of at a loss because I think that the people who live there don't even know how you know don't even know that they they don't know what they don't have. <laughs> right, right. They don't realize that that they need to organize so that they can get more. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's a problem. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, just a, a sad, to, you know, it makes me sad to hear that uh, because, you know, essentially what you what you don't know, you don't miss, you know, so they don't even realize that, you know, perhaps a couple of counties over, there's an abundance. I mean, I don't know this to be the case, but, you know, perhaps a few counties over from where they are, there are, there is an abundance of mental health um, resources available in those communities. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, so we do have to have these conversations and then you would hope that uh you know even even through you know local churches uh the awareness is is made and, and it's vocalized and uh you know people are educated on what mental health is and what it looks like and and how to deal with uh you know those stressors and to hopefully you know get the the i am i have been invited to to do and i mentioned the churches because i have been invited to uh, participate in a mental health fair. We often have health fairs, but I don't often mm-hmm. hear of mental health fairs. So a church uh, has reached out to me to be a speaker uh, for a mental health fair, and I am extremely excited to do that because um, oftentimes when you have health fairs, they'll put up one booth or a little small table uh, for mental health resources. And right. overall, 
you know, yeah, so overall people are there. there. <laughs> uh, yes, they're there for the health checks. They're there to, you know, sign up for, you know, a personal trainer and, you know, so many different things uh, for health, but the mental health is often forgotten about. So to be able to go into the churches and uh, to have a opportunity to speak about what mental health is and the importance thereof is it's huge. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even in the town that you're talking about, I don't know, but um, just to be able to, to set up something like that, to go from uh, church to church, speak in the different churches and to, you know, kind of make this known, um, to bring awareness so that hopefully, um, because you have different individuals who attend churches um, from, you know, politicians to doctors to teachers to educators to, uh, you know, just so many different professions when you um, have church members. Um, it's a great mm-hmm. opportunity to spread the information all at one time in one place so that different individuals who are in different professions can get the same information and become aware. So, right. uh, you know, perhaps that's something that can be organized in that particular area. Um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But we have Yeah, no, that's a that's a really know. good point because actually I think that also takes away the stigma if people hear it from their own church that um taking care of your mental health is really important because there is a there is still a very large stigma around seeking treatment. Um and it is a very church going area in South Texas. So I think that, that would that's a really good point as well. In mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, making people more aware that they that they actually can get more funding if they organize and, and ask for it. <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so so Sheila, I know that we're running out of time, but I would um I'm wondering if you might be able to let people know well first of all, um how they can find your book, um, how can they find you on your book tour, how they can find out more about you, and then also if you know of any resources um, that they may be able to connect with online to find out about getting um, more mental health services. Oh, yes, for sure, definitely. Thank you. Uh, well, I would say as for me, the um, the number one resource is going to be my website, which is my mm-hmm. complete name. It's uh, www.drdr, and then my first name, Sheila, S-H-E-I-L-A, middle initial D as in David, and last name Williams with an S on the end. So drsheiladwilliams.com is my website. And then from my website, you will have an opportunity to connect with me on social media. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I also have a YouTube page. So mm-hmm. if you Google me or just go to my website, Dr. Sheila D. Williams, you can pretty much find me on any of those platforms with those, uh, you know, with that handle, Dr. Sheila D. Williams. As far as my book, the title of the book is My Mother's Keeper. That as well is uh, available. The information is available on my website, but it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, Pretty much anywhere books are sold, if you, uh, you know, type it in your search bar, My Mother's Keeper and Sheila Williams, it should come up for you. 
But, again, on my website, mm-hmm. you will write on my website, and it will take you to one of those uh, book vendors to order the book. Uh-huh. And as far as the book tour, yeah, we're continuing the book tour. Uh, we've had several of them here in Texas thus far. We're going to continue the book tour uh, around different cities here in Texas, as far as Austin, San Antonio, uh, of course, definitely here in Houston. We've already had uh, two book signings here in Houston. have another one uh, coming up pretty soon in Pasadena. But if you go to my social media, I always post it well in advance uh, for you to be able to, to come out and participate. If you uh, are interested in me um, to come out and to do speaking engagements, I have some speaking engagements that are coming up. You can connect with me on my website or just email me to be a panelist or a mm-hmm. speaker, uh, info at drsheeladewilliams.com. And then the number one resource that I, I always give out is NAMI.org. You'll find resources mm-hmm. because there is a national organization. And if it's not available in your city or your town, then it will they will be able to connect you with other resources, hopefully, that are close to you. So if you go to NAMI.org, NAMI.org, there's a, there's a vast amount of information on that website. All right. Okay. I'm going to post those links on my website post about this show later tonight. So if people didn't have their pen and paper ready to go, they can just go to my website, drmaricorpel.com, and look for this post. Uh, about this show and all of that will be there and they can just click on it, click on your website and the NAMI website and all of that. So just to make it easier. All right. So thank you so much for, for being on the program. This was really important and really interesting. And I hope that, um, that a lot of listeners were able to, you know, um, get from this, something that they needed. Oh, yes, for sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for everyone that's listening in, and as well, thank you to all of the uh, callers that called in with their questions. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the all the questions, callers. That was great. So you have a very good night, and let's stay in touch. Yes, for sure. Thank you. All right. Okay. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, Don't go anywhere. We have lots more to come, and we'll be right back. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, we are back. And if you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel in your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. Um, what an interesting interview. I'm really um, glad that we had the opportunity to speak and had so many callers with questions, really great questions. I love when people call questions. So I hope that you all will keep them coming in the future. 
Um, so I do want to just um, give you a little bit of news, and that is um, you can check out my website for some recent blogs that I wrote, and that's drmaricarpel.com. I wrote a couple of blogs in the last couple of weeks. Um, one of them was about dealing with burnout. And again, as um, Dr. Williams was talking about, um, it isn't necessarily a mental illness if you're feeling stressed out. But if you don't take care of the stress and you're and you just get more and more stressed out and do the things that create more stress and don't have the coping skills, it can eventually lead to um, something more serious like clinical depression or anxiety. So um, my goal really is to try to help to prevent that um, before it even gets that far To because we're all dealing with stress. I mean, that's part of life, that life is filled with stress. Um, and it's not a bad thing because stress is not always bad. Stress just means change. It means that you're actually living your life. But we need to have coping skills to be able to deal with the stress. And sometimes we do things that create more and more stress for ourselves without even realizing that we're doing it. We get into habits that create more stress. And we can't handle all of that stress feeling stressed out without eventually feeling burnt out. So um, that blog is about that. And um, I think that's it for the news. I'll save the rest for the end of the program. But I wanted to talk about, you know, in the last few weeks and in, in, the, in my recent blogs, I've been focusing a lot on the obstacles that get in the way of our being able to live a joyful, happy life and how to overcome those, those obstacles so that we can continue to live our passion and live our, you know, our soul's calling and really follow our dreams. And, you know, there are many obstacles that we come across in our lives, stressors that come from the outside, um, because as I said, life has stress in it. And we don't, we cannot control everything that happens in our lives and we're going to come across stress. So, you know, I've talked about coping with those kind of stresses as well as dealing with the inner stress of the negative self-talk and the way that we um, discourage us ourselves and sabotage ourselves from being able to really live joyful lives and, and do things that um, are our passion and that bring meaning and joy into our lives and into the world. Um, because we're we're always putting ourselves down and saying we're not good enough or nobody's going to really want to listen to what we have to say anyway. Um, so I've talked, about, I've talked about that. I've talked about coping with critics who tell us those things, that we're not good enough and, or why are you doing that, why bother, those kind of things. Um, so, and I will talk about that more and write more blogs about that because I think those are really important issues that get in our way. But I want to talk about the reason why we want to keep overcoming those obstacles and not just to have a smooth life, but to actually live our passion and follow our soul's calling um, as um, 
Rabbi Naomi Levy called it when she was here on the program a couple of years ago. She called it uh, following our soul's calling, our soul's whispers, which I love that, our soul's whispers. But we know deep inside that we have a passion that we want to live. We may not know what it is. We don't always know what it is. Um, But we know that there is more and we want to follow that passion. And um, part of the process is allowing ourselves to dream and to figure out what that passion is and what is it that I would make me really excited and make my life more meaningful. Um, I, we all need to have a sense of meaning in our life. And it could be something really grand Um, could be a change of our life in a lot of ways, the things that, you know, our occupation or where we live, or it could be something really, really small in terms of change in our life, but huge in terms of how we feel. So making a determination to be kind to people that we meet can be a passion. Um, You know, and it varies depending on where we are in our life and our age and, um, you know, our health, um, all of those things. So, for example, um, living a passionate life at 95 is going to be different than what that means at 35. Um, or it might not be different, but most, most cases it would be different. Um, in terms of, you know, how grand of a change we can make in order to live a passionate life. But why do we want to do that? Why why are we even bothering if we're going to be hitting these obstacles and if we're going to hit, be hitting bumps in the road? You know, the more you live a passionate life, the more bumps you're going to hit because you're really living now. And when you're living, when you're moving quickly, you're going to hit bumps, you're going to hit resistance. Um, when you're sitting still, you don't hit resistance. You don't have wind in your face when you're sitting still. It's when you're moving forward. Um, you're going to run into people who criticize you, who may be jealous or worried or scared for you um, or just don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, that's going to happen. And that voice in your head that tells you you're not doing, you're not good enough, is going to probably get louder for a while because you're now doing new things that are they feel awkward when you're doing something new that you're not used to doing. So the, um, when you feel awkward, you start to tell yourself negative things. It's a, it's a natural thing that the human mind does, that our ego starts getting in the way and saying, why are you even doing that? And so why are we doing that? Why should we do it if it's going to get bumpy? if it's going to be difficult at times. Well, you know, when we are living our passion, when we are living our our soul's whispers, when we're following our calling, we have more we have more joy in our lives. 
even though we're hitting more bumps. And we feel more meaning in our lives. We feel more purpose. And that's the one common thread that I have seen, no matter how old someone is or the situation in their life or their socioeconomic status or what they do for a living, um, how old they are, um, how well they are, where they live. So I've worked in New York. I've worked in upstate New York. I've worked in New York City. I've worked in South Texas. I've worked in Austin, Central Texas. I've worked with people of various um, ethnic and racial and religious backgrounds. I've worked with people who are in their 20s. I've worked with people who are 100 years old. Um, People have done a variety of, of occupations and a lot of veterans who have served in various combat situations and non-combat situations. The common thread is that desire to feel meaning and purpose in our lives. And I found that for myself, when I'm living, when I'm feeling like my life is meaningful, it feels really good. And not only that, that when we are feeling a sense of purpose in our life, and we're doing something that we really like doing at the same time. So it's something that we like that has a purpose, a greater purpose for the whole world, for our local community or, and or our global community. That gives us a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That's what makes us feel that life is worth living. That's what makes us feel... Um, energized, and as I wrote in the title of my book, gives us vitality, creates vitality. It gives us a north star to follow during the darker times when we feel like things are getting really rough in our lives, that when we have that focus, um, it keeps us going. We know why we want to keep going because we don't want to give up because we have this purpose and we have this this calling that feels really good and we really like doing it. So that's one reason to follow our dreams because it makes us feel good. The other reason is because when we are following our dreams, when we are living a life of passion, we are actually bringing more light into the world by bringing our gifts into the world. So we are bringing more light into the world. So if that's important to you to create a kinder, more loving world, then when you are following your true passion, you're doing that. You are part of the solution. And there's an old saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Um, Akshay Nanavati, who was on my program several months ago, and he wrote the book Fear Bana, um, has I recently heard him in a in a Facebook Live video talking about happiness and how happiness is the fuel 
that helps us to bring light into the darkness. So our own happiness is our fuel that helps us to bring light into the darkness in the world. So it it has a two, you know, it has this um, cyclic sort of reason. So it makes us feel good. We create more light in the world. When we do that, we feel more meaning and purpose, and that makes us feel good. So it 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 bounces off of each other. It feeds each other. It's a, it's a feedback loop. Um, Kathy Sparrow, founder of Writing at Your Edge, has stated, when we start to live our own story, that's when we come alive. That's when we really start living. So... If we're more alive and we're really living and we're more awake, then we have more to give to the world. We have more to give to our community. And if we're caregivers, that's really important. If you're a caregiver, that means that you have more to give to the people or the person that you're caring for. When you're not feeding yourself, when you're not um doing what makes you feel joyful and brings um, passion and meaning to your life, then after a while it leads to burnout. And then you're not a very good caregiver when you're a burnt out caregiver. So when we have joy, we tend to be kinder and more compassionate to other people, bringing light into the world. And our passion itself might be something that brings joy directly, but it's very obviously that if our passion is doing something to help the homeless, for example, that we discover that's our passion, that we want to do something to help the homeless. Well, obviously when the passion itself is something that creates more light in the world, or as Dr. Williams talked about advocating for people with mental illness who don't have the resources. Well, if that's her passion, she's already bring, she's bringing light into the world with her passion in a very direct way and is very obvious to us. Um, volunteering. We may discover that's our passion, volunteering at a particular place. We're bringing more light into the world by helping in whatever way that we're helping. But if your passion is something more creative, like drawing or painting or playing an instrument or singing, it may not be that obvious to you how your passion is bringing light into the world other than the fact that you're feeling more joyful so you're kinder. But if you don't hoard your passion at home, if you're not a an artist who... Um, keeps it all to yourself or a musician who doesn't let anybody hear your music. If you're out performing for other people or showing them your artwork, you are bringing light into the world because that you're inspiring people to follow their own dreams. Your music and art are healing. You're healing people by playing your music, by performing or showing your art. Um, if you're going to perform in places like a nursing home or a hospital, well, you know, you're healing people with your music and your art. And 
you might even consider teaching people your your gift or your talent and that bringing light into the world because you're inspiring people, you're healing people with that talent. So, for example, I'll give you just an example. I had a client um, when I was working in the nursing home in the Bronx, and she was always very depressed, and she just didn't know what to do about it. You know, she was on medication. We were talking all the time, but she was really depressed. She was younger than most of the residents in the nursing home, and she couldn't find anybody that she could really connect with, and she was really just floundering. And there was an artist who would come into the nursing home once a week, and he would do art therapy. He was not an art therapist, but that's what he did. He was an artist, and he would come and teach art to residents who were interested, and that was the therapy. And I used to go to that once a week. I would make that my lunch break for my own therapy because it felt really good to me to take a break and do something completely different, to draw or paint um, in the middle of my work day. And so I said to her one day, you know, there's an art class here at 1 o'clock, and I'm going to be there. Why don't you meet me there? And she said, well, you know, I've never... I've never drawn, I've never painted, I can't even draw a straight line. And I said, I promise you that the teacher will not ask you to draw a straight line. Why don't you just come with me? And she she said, you're going to be there? I said, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be drawing, so why don't you meet me there? So she did, she met me there, and she, she was drawing whatever assignment the teacher had for the day, and he came over and he said to her, you know, you're really talented. You're really good at this. And she said, really? He said, yeah. So a couple of weeks later, I went back to see her and she wasn't depressed. She was elated. She told me that she had been going to the art class for the last couple of weeks and she discovered that she had this talent that she never knew she had. And then within a few months, she was telling me that they were going to show her work in an art gallery And she just felt really wonderful. She said, I'm an artist and I never knew it. And, you know, after a while she didn't need to see me anymore because she wasn't depressed. And that art teacher, by doing his art and and bringing it into the world and bringing it to to these residents of a nursing home, brought so much light into the world by following his passion. He helped her discover her passion, changed her life completely. So that that is my point about how following our passion, following our calling, following our soul's whispers is really worth it in spite of the obstacles that it really can change our own life and bring light into the world, which we so need right now. So we need all of you. We need all of you to to follow your passion and bring light into the world. Um, that will bring meaning to your life and it will bring joy to the world. So as as Naomi Levy said, wrote in her book, Einstein and the Rabbi, 
All throughout your life, your soul's been tugging at, at you. The next time you feel a tug, don't let it slip away from you. Ask yourself, what was that? Reach for it. Let it in. Grab on. And then I'd like to add myself, buckle, your, buckle up your seatbelt and hold on tightly because you're in for a wild ride. Um, taking a leap of faith is wild and bumpy, but it is sure worth it. So on that note, we're going to play a little music. Art's going to play a little music, and then he's going to join us to talk to us about South by Southwest. Okay, Art? Leave the North Town to survive. She owed so many people, she stayed alive. If you get in front of her past, she will. She'll eat you alive. It's the truth. You have a little trouble with your nose. Watch it change colors like a rosy glow. If you see your face in the mirror when it's down on its side, you better hide. You'll lose your hide and I'm going to show you. Transaction, you make a buy. Well, it's all in fashion. You want to try? If you seek the truth from the mountain where it grows and it thrives, they'll say she lied. You better hide. people and stayed alive. If you get in front of her past, she will. She'll eat you alive. Hey! You drive home paranoid.
It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. La verdad, hombre, ándale. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. And we were just listening to the music of our producer, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment. And Art is joining us right now to talk about the shows that he is going to be producing at Austin's South later this month. That's right. And uh, last week we talked about... Um, Friday, March 20th, where we're going to do a video shoot of your show live on the stage of the backstage in El Mercado on South First. And that's going to be from 6 to 7. But now I'm going to talk about Saturday, March 21st, which will be another video shoot of Backwards on Purpose. And that is um, my personal one-man show which is really a two-hour show, but it's going to be only one hour that we're going to shoot since we only have a limited time and all the other bands are coming in. But that'll be done from six to seven, and that's one of the songs that will be played with uh, Tomas Ramirez. And um, then afterwards, from seven to seven fifteen to ten o'clock, will be Bobby Mack Band, an incredible blues band. And uh, I'll be surprised if Tomas does not play with them because they go back all the way from the time they played in Russia. And um, that'll be an interesting night. And then Joe James will be playing from 10.15 to 11.15. And he's another incredible artist. And uh, closing out the night will be with the group Blevins, which is a group that I'm saying is going to be really hot. And they're from San Marcos. And young three brothers that play, and it's just an incredible band. So they'll be closing out the night from 11.30 to 12.30, maybe even longer. But uh, that's what's happening. So we're getting ready for that. I think the next shows that we're going to have are strictly going to be encore presentations because we really have to get our, our brains wrapped around this, this show. So let's take it home and get us out of here. All right. Thank you, Art. So... As Art was saying, for the next two Sundays, we'll be playing the encores of our favorite recent programs. And you can also tune in to any of them by going to my website, drmaricarpel.com, blogtalkradio.com, slash your golden years, or on Apple Podcasts. And during our time off, as he mentioned, we'll be preparing for my live show, uh, South by Southwest on March 20th, and his live show on the 21st, and all of the musicians that he's producing afterwards. So he'll be working on that. Um, And then we're taking a couple of weeks off after that, and I'm visiting my mom in New York, and we will be working on some formatting changes for this show to make it even better. And we'll be back here live in mid-April with another live show in mid-April. So just follow me on Facebook, 
Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, to find out about the next show that's live and um, as well as all of the information about South by Southwest. I'll be posting all of that on my website, drmaricarpell.com, and on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And meanwhile, if you're in town for South by Southwest, be sure to join me as part of the studio audience. That will be at the backstage, as Art mentioned, in El Mercado on South First Street, Friday, March 20th at 6 p.m. But if you want to be part of the audience, please arrive by 5.30. Admission is free, and we're giving out 100 copies of my book. And my guest for that evening will be Dr. Joe Schaefer, neurophysiologist and co-owner of Austin Kung Fu and Tai Chi, and he'll be discussing the mind and body benefits of martial arts. And our musical guest for that show will be Tomas Ramirez, the Jasmanian devil, who Art just mentioned, and he's one of the best saxophone players in the world, so he'll be on the program. So um, join us. And if you want to hear tonight's program, program again and read the information from this show and get all of the links that my guests spoke about um, and all of the other information about South by Southwest and previous programs, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and the link to the podcast with those links to websites will be posted later tonight. Um, you can also hear this evening's program as soon, in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. And you can also listen on Apple Podcasts. And the link to my page on Apple Podcasts is right now on my website. If you go to the website link, website post about this show, drmaricarpel.com, you can find full podcast link. And that'll be there after the program. It'll be there forever. So you can always listen on Apple if you have an Apple device. And some people find that they prefer to listen that way. And then to find out about future events, um, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist Dr. Ronald Devere and by Storyhouse. Special thanks to my guest, Dr. Sheila D. Williams, and of course, thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring few weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. C'est le bon ton roulé. That is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé. That is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé. That is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé. That is what they all say. Et toi?
Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 